welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. I want to talk with you about hope, waiting expectantly. When, uh, when I was a kid, uh, Christmas had to be one of the, my favorite times of the year. Be- obviously, because of what? Because of the, the gifts that you get. And every year I would make uh, my list, um, although, okay, I'd make my list. And I didn't know all that I'd get. And uh, my parents were pastors, and uh, we'd started out in the state of Maine, and churches were small, and he worked uh, on the side and then pastored churches. But I do recall that he was given to the work of the Lord and in one four-year period built the parsonage and remodeled the church, laid the floor in the church, and worked in the potato fields and in timbering, because that's what was available, a lot of farms up there, plus planted four churches in that four-year period that are still in existence today. That's what he did in his spare time, all right? So, uh, and so we never knew exactly what we'd get for Christmas, but we knew that they'd always do their best. And some of the things, my grandma, she loved to knit, And she would knit socks, and she would knit uh, mittens for me that had a, what she called a trigger finger. And believe it or not, I still have several pair of those socks and mittens in my sock drawer. I can't bring myself to get rid of it. You know, it's just, sorry, sentimentality rules the day when it comes to that. But we'd make our list, and our list, we knew that our parents would do their best, plus we had a favorite aunt who was very generous. And, but we did this based on their love for us and what they had done in the past. So I can remember on Christmas morning, I learned that I could get up before anyone else did and I would get downstairs and I would go in the living room and often there were presents that were too big to be wrapped, like a new bicycle or a toboggan. I still have my toboggan that was given to me when I was 13. It was made in Canada. It was a flexible flyer out of solid maple wood, and it was given to my brother Phil and to myself, and I've continued to keep it, and our grandkids are now using it. How about that? Yeah. Well, that's scriptural. The Bible says don't forget the ancient landmarks, and so we, we're scriptural. But I come down on Christmas morning, and for one year it might be that six-foot toboggan, or another year it might be a shiny BB gun or a shining bicycle, and my heart would just pump with excitement because Christmas morning was there, and then I'd have to go back to bed, and then they'd let us get up. Then we had to eat breakfast. You talk about torture. Then they'd dad would gather us around and he'd pray and thank the Lord for Jesus coming, you know, in scriptures. I'm sorry. 
It's a wonderful thing to do, but how many know as a kid, you're eight years old, it's like absolute torture. I have no appetite. I'm not spiritual. It's totally just about me. And then they'd call my name and they'd hand out the gifts and we would possess them. That was present. We'd possess them. And if it was a bicycle and it was snowing or it didn't make any difference, I had to take that shiny new thing out and just try to ride it maybe up and down the, the driveway just to feel like what it was going to be like, just to try it out. It wasn't enough just to look at it and let it sit there. I wanted to use it. But the full enjoyment would come in the future when the summer and the springtime came and the snow was melted away and the roads and the highways and the fields were mine to explore. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the advent, when he came to give us hope, is based upon what he, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has done in the past but it's also available for us right now, but one day we will fully understand it. We will fully utilize it when we see him coming in the clouds. Praise his name. He will return for his church, but it's a glorious hope, and we serve God, the only God who is termed the God of all hope. Praise God. And we want to unpack this today to you and with you, and my, uh, my prayer is that you will be encouraged to hold fast to that hope that we have in Jesus, that promise, that dream, that vision, that longing that we have in the Lord. We're going to show you a video right now that comes from the Bible Project. God bless you. So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible, and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the floodwaters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava. The feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavahs for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, At this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. 
Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better, but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires, and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus, and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope, and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The Apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. More than once, the Apostle Paul says the good news about Jesus announces the El Peace of glory. In both cases, this El Peace is based on a person, the risen Jesus, who has overcome death. And this hope wasn't just for humans. The Apostles believed that what happened to Jesus in the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had planned for the whole universe. In Paul's words, it's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. So Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. Isn't that terrific? Yes. The book of Hebrews, chapter 6. We're going to read verses 6 through 19 to begin with. It's about Jesus as the anchor of our hope. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, that's you and that's me, those who have believed on the name of the Lord, when he wanted to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, he interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. The anchor of our soul is built upon God's promises and God's purposes, which are unchangeable. For those that like more theological terms or 
a term that is not used every day. They are immutable. They cannot be changed. And God's hope is built upon things that cannot be changed. The writer to the Hebrew uses a term, sets the scene of what would take place in a court of law when two people who would have signed a contract and this contract now becomes greater than either one of those parties. It is binding. And if they go to the court of law, if there's a dispute and they go to the court of law, the judge would say, let me see the contract. And he would read the contract and he would say, well, this is what the contract says. Anything other than that or your claim that's contrary to the contract your perspective that is different than the contract is inferior. This is a superior contract. So when God, when God made or created the conditions, his purposes and promises so that we would have an anchor of the soul, he did it by two unchanging things. One is his unchanging character and then his promises and his purposes. His promise and his purposes have to do with the redemption of our soul and to bring all of creation, ultimately, bring them back to him and make all things new. And how many know that God will not be denied? How many know that? God will not be denied. In fact, Moses wrote in the Torah or in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19, he said that God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And our hope is built upon the unchangeableness of a God who loves you and a God who loves me, praise his name. It's fulfilled by the coming of Jesus. We talk about the advent of Jesus, the, the advent, the event, the, his coming. It's fulfilled by his coming and by his work. His work when he came, what he did on the cross of Calvary, he made purifications for sins, he died for you and for me, he died for humanity so that whoever would believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins could be forgiven and we could be restored to our Father's house and to his grace. Can someone say thank you, Lord? Praise God. These are the things that he's done for us in the past. And the anchor of our soul because of this is unchanging. It is sure. It is steadfast for living it is called, in this passage, what the writer's describing is the priestly work of Jesus Christ that he accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary and what he's doing right now. It is an anchor for our soul. Now, I'm going to show you a real live anchor. How many would have guessed I had that in there this morning? Yes, this is a 10-pound anchor. Anyone want to guess what size boat that this will hold fast? Anyone? Ten pounds. Anyone? Say it out. 
Pardon? 30 pounds? This will hold at least a 2,000-pound boat. Yes, that is why the Scripture uses the anchor of our souls. It's greater than you and greater than myself. And this is how the anchor works. It doesn't work because it weighs 10 pounds and the boat weighs 10 pounds. But when you drop this down, if you're out on the Chesapeake Bay and you're fishing for rockfish or striped bass and you want to hit you want to hit it when the tide is running and when the current is running. And I'm not going to ask you if anyone knows what that is, but the reason you like to fish when the tide is running because you know the lateral lines? How many know what the lateral lines are on a fish? When the current washes over them, it stimulates them to eat. So that's why you fish on the incoming tide and the outcoming tide, all right? Oh, crabs the same way, anything that lives in the ocean. But when you drop this down, you drop it straight down. But there's this, there's this thing right here. If you look at an anchor, you say, oh, that looks familiar, but this thing moves. And what happens when you drop that down to the bottom of the bay, and then you pull up on this, this these two points now start digging in. Follow what I'm saying? They start digging in. And the harder you pull on that boat, the more it digs in. And what you do, you lay it out, if, say if it's 20 feet deep, you want to lay out rope between the anchor and the boat somewhere between 5 and 10 times the depth, so 100 to 200 feet. The more rope that you allow out, the more acute the angle gets. I'm not getting too technical, are you? But I do get excited about these things, all right? And what that means, the more acute the angle gets, it means that it can withstand more force and tug and stronger currents and stronger winds that would beat and batter you, and it'll dig in. And what God has provided for you and for me is a strong anchor of our soul called a living hope in Jesus Christ. Can someone say praise God? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. The second thing, that's past. That's what he's done, and now it's present. The second thing is what I call God's waiting room. It's the present. It's that God, how it works in the present. God does his work in us as we wait expectantly on the hope that he's placed within us. Verses 13, 14, and 15 says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Patiently waited. God gives hope, but a theme for his people of all ages is that his people wait patiently for the Lord. That's not Amazon Prime, is it? I bought my, some of my grandkids' presents yesterday. I love Amazon Prime. Just my easy chair. Free shipping. Oh, oh, Black Friday Day specials extended. <laughs> Free shipping. 
Chuck, do you want standard or do you want free two-day shipping? What do you think I'm going to ask for, you know? So, and at, during church, I just got to notice it's going to be delivered. It's on its way by 8 o'clock tomorrow night. How about that? But God's not a member of Amazon Prime. He was and is and is to come. And God gives promises to us that are hopes and dreams and sometimes commands and visions. But he says to wait in expectancy. That's hope. God's hope is always better than our despair. Always. Our despair is mirrored by the spirit of this age that often says, whatever, or whatever, it is what it is. By the way, I don't like that term, whatever. I, I just don't like that. I like to change things, you know. Now, I use that more and more. I find myself backsliding. I feel from God's original intent and purpose for my life. But, but I don't like that term, whatever. But his hope is better than our despair. Oftentimes, as followers of Jesus Christ, God will put something in our heart, a desire to pray for, that son or daughter that it seems far from God or they're not living for the Lord. And we see that pattern repeated over and over, and after a while, we're tempted to say it's not going to change. And it's easier to say whatever than engage of the pain of waiting expectantly for something that looks like it will not change. Because the scripture is true, desire fulfilled is a tree of life. But unfulfilled desire is like a death sentence to us. But his hope is always better than our despair. In Haggai chapter 2 verses 1 through 9. The children of Israel have been called back. They're to rebuild the temple. They're to rebuild the walls. And it lay in shambles. And they succumbed to the spirit of the age around them. And the Lord came through Haggai and he rebuked them. He said, how dare you when I've called you back and given you a vision and a dream to return to Zion and to rebuild my temple. Instead, you've built your fine houses with paneling on the walls and on the ceilings and you've let my temple lie in ruins, and Haggai came and prophesied to them to give them hope. But, but he started with Zerubbabel, who was, who was a leader, and he said this. This is what the Lord said to him. He said, Zerubbabel, I've called you to do this. He said, the Lord said, I understand when you look at the temple, it looks now as nothing compared to the past when it was in his glory but I want you to know, Zerubbabel, I am, the great I am, I am with you. I am with you according to the promise I made to you. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear. And so, he says, and work. So work. Wait patiently, expectantly. Don't fear. Don't dismay. The Bible says that when Zion travailed, she brought forth. Abraham, if you, if you have a scripture, you can turn with me, but it, it's in Romans chapter 4. 
Abraham in hope against hope. It was hope against hope. Abraham had been promised that he would, that he would inherit the world and all the world would be blessed through him. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, he said, if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's offspring. So you're here today because the promise was made to Abraham. Remember the song we used to sing in kids' church? Father Abraham has many sons. Yeah, I, I like that song. Yeah, I'm a son of Abraham. How about you? But a promise had been given to Abraham that you'll have a son. Abraham, instead of waiting on the Lord, took matters in his own hand and Ishmael resulted. Ishmael resulted. But when he finally got on track, he waited in hope against hope because he needed a son, Isaac. And as he waited in hope against hope, the Bible says that he grew strong in his faith. Romans 4, verse 17. A father of many nations have I made you in the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope he believed, in order that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with, respect, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised he was able to perform. Therefore also it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He grew strong in his faith. He believed God. He believed that the Lord was able to perform what he had spoken to him. He, his anchor of his soul was fastened, if you would, within the very veil. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews said. This anchor that we have is fastened within the very veil to the work that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He didn't weaken when he considered he was 100 years old. He didn't weaken when he considered that Sarah was 90 years old. She was barren. And no distrust made him waver. But with respect to the promises of God, this hope that God has given to us, this hope that you have in your heart for something that you are praying for, We can grow strong in our faith as we respect the promises of God and know that faithful is He that performs it. I want to encourage us, and I'm preaching to you as well as myself, in those difficult situations where God has given us a hope and a promise, a desire and a burden, and things don't change. We often are tempted to throw up our hands and say, Lord, whatever, whatever, whatever. 
I can't stand to think about the alternative or the consequences, Lord, so I'm just going to go on and I'm, I'll numb myself to the pain of a situation. But the Lord says this, that we can grow strong in our faith as we hope in Him, praise His God, praise His name. What God has put in your heart as you pray, as you work, as Haggai said, work because God said, I'm with you. I've promised it. Moses said, is he a man that he would not, that he would lie? And the answer is no. Has God ever spoken and failed to act? And the answer is no. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And the answer is no. And we say we hope in the Lord. What promise does God want you to embrace or re-embrace and wait for in hope? Let me encourage you with this. No matter how bad it seems, in the book of Job, verses 14, verse, uh, chapter 14, verses 7 through 9 is a wonderful verse, and it says this, For there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. There is even hope when its stump has rotted away, but at the very scent of water, it will spring forth once again. And what God does is not in our time frame. It's not Amazon Prime. It is not free shipping. It is on God's time. But while we're in the waiting room that God calls us to, to be, to wait expectantly, He does something in our heart. Despair never builds our faith, but it's faith in a living God and crying out to the Lord and travailing and saying, God, by faith I pray, I hope against hope. I don't consider the, the situation but faithful are you that promise, praise his name. Amen. We can grow strong in our faith. God's word says this, Isaiah 40, 31, the young men will grow faint and weary, but they that wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord expectantly, waiting upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as the eagle. They will run and not be weary. Oh God, teach me to wait. Teach me to wait in hope and expectancy. Praise his name. Hope brings more hope. Hope brings more hope. The more we wait, trusting on the Lord, the more strength that's there. Verse 20 says, Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What the writer is saying, Jesus has entered the veil. Our anchor is there. He's a high priest forever, but his work isn't done. He's there, but he's coming back. He went in, but he's coming out. As surely as the high priest once a year would appear before the very presence of God in the holies of holies, he'd go in, but he's coming back out. Can someone say praise God? The writer to the Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also. Having been offered once to bear the sins of many, 
will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly, what? Wait for him. Longing for his appearance in our hearts. He came. He was crucified on the cross for our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he resurrected, praise his name. He resurrected. He ascended into heaven. But the apostle wrote this. He said in Luke or Acts chapter 1, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing at this? He's disappeared into heaven. This same Jesus will appear in like manner. He's coming back again. Can someone say praise God? Someone said, well, Pastor, I'm, I don't know if I, I'm not so, I just, I don't know, I'm not so sure about this. Listen, are you sure about your salvation? If you are, that's all you need. Jesus Christ is coming back again for this church, his church. Can someone say praise God? Yes. He came once to bear the sins for many, but he's coming a second time for salvation to all those who eagerly wait for his appearing, praise his name. John the Beloved wrote 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. He said that whoever has this hope in him purifies himself. Beloved, now we are the children of God, but it has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Praise God. Amen. God's hope is better than our despair. It is, it is your inheritance as a child of God. The hope. It does not change according to the circumstances. Our hope is sure. It is steadfast because of God's great love and Jesus' great work, past, present, and future. Praise his name. I believe that there are people today who need this word from the Lord. Who God, who you're here specific reason. This morning, my alarm went off, and I jumped out of bed, and you might not think this, but I almost had a Holy Spirit dance right in my bedroom because of this word, this word, and I went, yes, yes. I get to share the Word of God. I get to say that we are more than overcomers through Jesus Christ that loved us. Yes, we do not have to give in to the spirit of this age. Yes, we are called to be lights in this present darkness. Yes, we have an anchor for the soul that's built upon the unchangeableness of God and His promises and His purposes and His work. It is a real salvation and He is coming back for His church and one day 
Every eye will behold him. Every eye will see him. He is coming back to make all things new, to make creation new to himself and set up the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwells righteousness and there will be no need for light because the Lamb of God will take the night of way and he will be the sun forever and ever and ever and ever. Praise his name. Praise God. Praise his name. Yes, 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 a thousand times yes. Praise God. Praise his name. Praise God.